You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. You ever thought to yourself, I don't know where this composite thing is going. What about direct, freehand direct composites? Like, is that an opportunity? Where will that be in the future? Well, we've got the man who's going to answer that question. And today, the topic of the podcast itself is freehand direct composites will thrive in the digital world with Dr. Dennis Hartley. In the studio, live, he rode his bike down here. <laughs> so make sure you guys listen to this. I know you'll enjoy it, and we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I have the greatest job ever because what I get to do is I get to do CE for a living and I get to bring in real rock stars in the world of dentistry and I totally geek out on this stuff. And so I've got Dennis Hartley in the studio today. Cheers, brother. Good to see you. Cheers. Yeah, so Laura, our office manager is like, he's here. He rode his bike. So you rode your bike. I did. It's yeah. awesome. I love my bike. It's my therapy. It's your therapy. You're totally. not, you're not seeing patients today. Ah, day off. Thank God. Yeah. So you rode your bike down here and you're like, let's do it. Should we do it in the studio? I'm like, heck yeah. yeah. So we're having a beer at the end of the day and we're going to talk about why freehand direct composites will absolutely thrive in the digital world with Dr. Dennis Hartley. Love it. Hey man. Hey. So, so super, super cool. Now I want to start here. I want you to tell a little bit of your story because we have a lot of young new listeners. I got a lot of dental students now. And so if they don't know who Dennis Hartley is, give them a little glimpse. Who are you? What do you do? All right. Yeah. So I uh, grew up in Michigan, grew up in Detroit. My dad was, uh, he, he worked on the line for General Motors. He built Cadillacs. So he was uh, on the assembly line. Uh, my mom was a home salesperson. She sold jewelry, costume jewelry. And she was an incredible salesperson. In fact, I think a lot of the stuff, when I'm talking to patients, I gain so much from my mom because my mom would have these, these shows where a woman would come in and she'd show them uh, jewelry and show them how to wear it and stuff. And just the words she used and how she communicated with the people she was working with. I take a lot of that and I, I hear myself, I hear my mom's voice when I'm, uh, when I'm talking to my patients so often. And then I have my dad sort of like, 
using the hand skills and stuff like that. So it's, uh, I think I have a really great combination. My mom and dad, I'm very, very blessed, very fortunate. I love that. Yeah. Very cool. Now, after dental school, you took on a huge project. Yeah. So I came to Chicago and I, uh, did a residency at Mount Sinai hospital in Chicago. Then I practiced for about five years with another dentist and I had just one of the most defining moments in my, in my life. It was in my professional life. We were at the midwinter meeting. We were seeing Frank Spear speak. So this was like 92 or 93. My partner was Monica Zebert, who is a phenomenal dentist that we went to dental school together at Michigan. She's from Milwaukee, actually, and her brother's a prosthodontist. Her uncle was head of pros at Marquette Dental School. So we're sitting in Frank's lecture, and I was blown away. I mean, it was the first time I've ever seen teeth or dentistry that looked like teeth. So this is back in early 90s when we're doing PFMs and early porcelain stuff, but really dentistry looked like dentistry back then. And Frank showed these cases and I was just blown away. So I'll never forget this. We walk out into the hall at the at McCormick place and I look at Monica and I say, that's what I want to do. Monica looks at me and says, I'm applying to med school. And she literally did. She went to, uh, she, she took the MCATs. She went down to Duke for med school, did internal medicine, and she's practicing here in uh, Milwaukee in internal medicine. How cool is that? So it was, uh, Frank hit the seven ten split, you know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had us on, you know, I, I sailed off to the right. It's like, this is the dentistry I want to do. And Monica said, I know what it's going to take to get to this, do this level of dentistry. I got a brother's a prosthodontist. I got an uncle's a prosthodontist. I don't want that path. Yeah. And she had always sort of taken dentistry and sort of that medical background, you know, I was great having her as a partner because I, I don't do that stuff. You know, I'm not good at that. I don't love the medicine aspect of dentistry. I, I'm more just, yeah, I'm a hobbyist with my hands, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, then years later, a few years later, I was in Chicago looking to move my practice and Buddy Mopper, who, if you don't know Buddy, he was one of the pioneers in cosmetic dentistry. And he was looking for an, an associate to come in and do the ceramics to support the um, bonding that he was doing. So he would, for instance, do composite veneers five through 12, and then send the patient back to their general dentist. And the dentist would say, do a PFM crown on number four that just did not match at all. And he just got tired of it. And he said, I need someone to just support the bonding that I'm doing by doing high level ceramics. And when I met with Buddy, um, I told him, I said, look, I, Bonding doesn't work in my hands. Composites do not work in my hands. And quite honestly, I was awful at them. I was just terrible. And I just didn't understand the technique. And so I was fortunate. I got to come in and watch Buddy work. And it just blew my brains. I, I mean, it was like the experience I had with Frank Spear. I had it again with Buddy because I was very much biased against composites. I had been taking a bunch of porcelain hands-on courses where I was with lab technicians, with Bob Winner, and learning how to build porcelain. And I thought, this is, this is how you do it. Composite sucks. Composite's a second-rate material. And then I get in and I see Mopper, and I'm watching him work, and I say, holy shit, this is unbelievable. Yeah. And it opened up my eyes that, you know what, there's, there's, there's great materials in dentistry, and composite is not a second-rate material at all. And um, it just changed my world. Just like I had Frank change my world, then Buddy came in and just just turned me on my heels and I was like, you know what, this composite stuff's pretty damn cool. Yeah. That's an unbelievable training process though. I mean, you got to work with him. Yeah. So he, you got to see his work Yeah. and then you got to work side by side as he watched you work. Yeah. It was fun. You know, I remember the first stuff that I saw him do, he was, I was just observing, he was going to do an exam and I'm watching him do the examination. I'm sort of looking over his shoulder 
And he's talking about the composites that are on the patient's teeth. And I'm looking and I can't see anything. So I pull out the chart and I'm trying to read his scribbled handwriting. And it's like seven has a DIF and number eight's a veneer and number 10 is like a, you know, a mesial composite or something. And I'm looking and I, I can't see them. They're, they're invisible. And I'm like, holy crap, I got a lot to learn. Yeah. So, you know, he was a great teacher and I, I was, uh, and he still is, he's still teaching. I'm, I was grateful to be able to be in the office and just watch what he was doing every day. And it just, um, you know, I just tried to replicate what he was doing. Yeah. There we go. Well, we're all proud of you because you are now a great teacher, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. I want you to uh, share, you just got back from an incredible trip, yeah. you and Angela. Now, just to give you a little logistic, you practice in outside of Chicago. Correct. You live up here. I and do. so you get the best of both worlds. You recently went to Spain. Yeah. Can you talk about your trip? Yeah. So we went to Sevilla, Spain for a DSD2 course. So Angela, my other half, she's gone through the DSD stuff. And so she's taking the big dive. And so we got to watch Christian Coachman do his thing. And they just had just an incredible learning environment. And for those who aren't familiar with DSD, it really is sort of like a turnkey operation if you want to get into digital workflow. You know, there's other, other options. You know, we're, we're doing ExoCAD in our practice, and my partner, Chris Ching, he's phenomenal with ExoCAD, and uh, he's, so, he's so generous with his time helping me learn it and stuff. But if you want a turnkey operation, DSD does, like, everything. Yeah. And Coachman is one of the most skilled dentists in the world. I don't know if you ever saw his dentistry. His dentistry is ridiculous. He's so skilled. Right. And I mean, I took courses from him. Uh, our study club brought him in. I went down when he was with Garber and I did a hands-on workshop with him down in Atlanta. So it's such a gifted dentist, such a gifted ceramist, but he's an amazing teacher as well. I mean, he really knows how to f facilitate the information. He's incredible. Yeah. Now, one of the things that we won't try to compete with him is the social schedule. Those guys... <laughs> Just talk about that. Like they know how to create a gathering. You know, they make Milwaukeeans look like complete amateurs. <laughs> why? Tell me why. Well, I go anywhere. And, you know, it, if you're up in Milwaukee, you know how to be able to, you, you can keep up without, with almost anyone maybe outside of New Orleans. I think New Orleans gives Milwaukeeans a good, good run right. for the money for having high level social skills. Yeah. Spaniards, man, they put us to shame. You, <laughs> they, you guys were finishing at one o'clock in the morning a lot of times. Yeah. So they, uh, they had a three day course is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Wednesday night we opted out. Thank God, because they were out till like 2 AM and then they had a fun run at 7 AM. So that would be like the non fun throw up run at 7 AM. And then they're back in class all day until six 30 or seven, then back out for another social event. We were there till like 1 AM, I think. And then back the next day they were back at it until again, like six 30 or seven. Yeah. And they just, they just go all day and they, they work hard and they play hard. They do. Yeah. That is a study in itself. <laughs> I don't know kidding. how they do it, but it, it is quite remarkable. It's quite remarkable. They, they live, they live large, you know, they, they live for today. I think for, for absolutely sure we could take a lot of lessons from them for sure. Yeah. No, my big question is you're always curious about what's going on in the world. Yeah. A big part of you is like, I got to see how this works. Yeah, I got to see bit. what they're up to. I got to see what they're teaching on different sides of the world. And, um, if you were to take away anything about what you learned seeing in Spain, what would you say? Oh, that's a great question. I tell you the, I think for me in teaching, the biggest challenge is being able to communicate what you're clinically, what you're doing 
in a way that the audience can learn it. And I think people learn from so many different ways. Some people are visual. I mean, so many people are visual learners, but I think some people do well with still photographs. Some people do really well with like illustrations. Some people do well with animations and some people do well with video. And I think people do like need a combination of all that. And I think they do a great job of that. And their video stuff is just killer. They really are doing some awesome stuff with their video stuff. So I'm trying yeah. to up my game with that. I'm, I'm working with the Nova for their microscopes and we're doing more video recording in my practice for yeah. our techniques. But that's, man, that's a lot of work. And editing video is a nightmare, man. It's a lot of work. Yeah, Andy, we could probably ask you, like, he's a master at this, but the editing is, it's like 10x the time. Maybe it's a science. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, recording the video takes half the time, but then to get a nice finished product. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, so many conversations about educators, it's one thing to do the dentistry. It's another thing to get photos. It's another thing to take the video and then to edit it. And then lastly, to be able to put it all together and teach it, that's a lot of work. And I've seen firsthand what you're talking about. And there are times where I'm just like, this is incredible. Nuts. It's an out-of-body experience. Yeah. It's really crazy. You know, it's funny, you know, they're old saying, you know, those who can't teach, those who can't teach, administrate. Right. You know, but you look at dentistry and you look at the incredible dentists, right? I mean, just phenomenal. And they're also phenomenal teachers. Right. And so I think we are so lucky in our profession. I don't know what it is in other professions. I have no clue. But in dentistry, we have people who are just phenomenal dentists, Frank Spear, and then can go on and teach what he's doing at such an incredible layer, you know, Buddy Mopper, Corky Wilhite, Newton Fall, um, you know, Jeff Rouse, Jim McKee, right. you know, I'm forgetting a million people, but there's so many awesome dentists, Bill Robbins, awesome dentists that are phenomenal, but also teach so well. We're so lucky. Well, and Bob Marges would be mad at oh, that. Marges, he's, you know, Marges, he's a hack. <laughs> he's Bob, a Bob, please. He's one of the best of all time. Oh, I was in Bob's his. All right. I was in his practice. He was doing some composites on me. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, Bob's good. He looks so calm. You've, you know, with that bald head, you think that it would just be like, just sweat would be pouring off. And he's just, he's cool as a cucumber. He's he, super chill. He was so behind the day I was there. Guess, guess I'm like, buddy, you're behind. You got patients waiting. He's like, I'm an airline pilot. I make up time. <laughs> <laughs> we love That's you, great. Bob. We love you. Yeah. So I want to, uh, so if you're listening now, I want you to know, like Dennis is truly an amazing human being and an incredibly gifted dentist and a wonderful, awesome educator. Um, I love this conversation. I mean, it's near and dear to my heart. I want you to talk about why freehand direct composites will thrive in the digital world. Maybe we could start with, um, maybe let's start with defining exactly what freehand direct composites mean for anybody who might be like, I think I know what that is, but what's your definition? You know, I think this sort of gets in back into like DSD and the digital workflow, whether you're using ExoCAD or Malphi or DSD, whatever you're using, you can get digital designs for your, for whatever you're going to do, direct or indirect restorations. There's a big push towards things like injection molding techniques or some sort of using some sort of stamp or some sort of mold or guide to make your anterior composites. And I think that's fine. And I think that there's a, there's a place for those type of things. And like Enrique Diaz Guzman is down in Brazil and he does like incredible, incredible injection molding stuff. 
But the, the reality is, and I've done enough of this interplay between digital and analog, there are times when when you have your digital, you bring it to the mouth, it's not quite what you thought it was going to be. Right. All of a sudden there's a can't that you weren't anticipating. Even though you did everything you thought was right, maybe the teeth are too long, maybe the teeth are too short, even though you use your digital smile design, it's not exactly what you thought it would be. So it's incumbent that as dentists, we still recognize that we have to use our hands. You know, this is, this is what we're about. We still need to be able to use our hands. And for me, freehand, freehand composites mean the ability to be able to layer composites, place composites, be able to contour composites and polish composites by hand to create the shape and the texture and the contour and the form that we want and that we need. And while it's, I think it's fine and great to be able to use guides to help us along, I think ultimately, if we're just going to be dependent on a digital workflow, there's going to be times when you're going to fall short and you're going to need to have the skills to be able to uh, meet the expectations of the patients or maybe meet your own expectations of what you want the smile to look like or what right. a particular tooth to look like. Right. And so in the midst of this digital conversation, you know, speak a little bit more about the why and the thriving. Like, what do you think? Let, let's just fast forward. We're, you and I are going to get into a time machine. Go ahead. Five years. Yeah. It's moving pretty fast. Yeah. Speak about why you think it'll thrive specifically. I think there's going to be a continue. Uh, uh, I don't know what's the word. There's a, there's going to be a continue, continued uh, break between types of dental practices, right? You're going to have the practices that are going to be doing more boutique type dentistry, right? There's going to be more of a competitive demand where you're competing against DSOs for more general and maybe traditional practice. So when you get into these boutique practice, you have to differentiate yourself. Part of it is the dentistry you're going to deliver, but part of it is also sort of the artistic view the patient has of you. And so, I mean, patients typically, like every week patients are saying, oh, Dr. Harley, you're such an artist. And I'm not. I mean, if you ever saw me draw, you know I'm not an artist. But I do know, do know how to make teeth look like teeth, or I know how to make composite, or I know how to make acrylic or, or you know, porcelain. I know how to make those look like teeth. That's a skill that I think brings patients into my practice. That's what differentiates my practice from other dentists is in my community is that I'm recognized as being this artist dentist. Right. And, you know, I say, oh, I'm just this dartist. You know, I can dental artist. I'm a dent artist. Um, but it is the perception, I think, that really patients are going to grab onto and that's going to help build my practice. Right. Now, I've never been to your practice. I'm going to come someday. Yeah. But it's the, also the instant gratification of somebody that has very high expectations. Now, again, I love the educational piece. I'm not a dentist. I get to see a lot of great dentistry. And so I'll speak to our friend, Dr. Bob Marges. So I had some wear on some anteriors. What's really cool is he can say, I'll tell you where I'm going to go with this. And then he works and he's like, what do you think? And then he has his assistant come in and I'm like, I don't know, maybe a little more square or whatever. And he can hit the mark in the minute. Yep. And so I think when you talk about additive or, you know, subtractive, there's a lot of components in here. You don't have to like get married to the patient, go all in and speak about the reversible. Like there's there, you can, we can, we can work on this together yep. until expectations are met because there's some dentistry where it's, it's not reversible. 
when I talk to patients and we're talking about cosmetic dentistry, I'm saying, I tell them you have two options when we're looking at materials. We can do plastic or we can do glass. Okay, so glass is going to be porcelain. I'll tell patients you're probably familiar with porcelain veneers. You may have, you know, you may have friends who've had them or maybe a porcelain crown. And I'll explain the technique. You know, the dentist got to drill the tooth. I'm going to take an impression either, you know, either with a you know, putty material or a digital material, whatever. We're going to take an impression. We're going to send it to a laboratory or we'll mill it here at the office, but it's going to be a hunk of porcelain that gets glued on your tooth. But we have to drill your tooth to do this, right? With the other material, composite or bonding, or what you might want to think of as more of plastic material, very often I have to do no drilling at all on your teeth. And if I do have to do drilling, it's going to be a lot less than if I have to do porcelain. Right. So when I'm talking to patients, I say one of the things you, gotta do, you have to decide is, are you someone who wants the least amount of tooth structure removed from your tooth, or are you looking for the greatest longevity of the material? Because that's going to be the biggest difference between porcelain and composite. Porcelain is going to give you the longest, the, the most likely, the highest longevity. Composite's going to most likely give you the least amount of tooth structure removed. Right. We can make both of them look beautiful. What's in it for you? The advantage of composite, I tell them also, is it's immediate. We do it, we're done. If we don't like it, we can change it. When I do porcelain, once it's on, it's on. And if right. we're going to change it, we've got to drill it all off. We're going to start from the beginning. And I've done that too many times in my career, man, and I hate it. Right. And I tell you, on any given day, on any given day, I'd rather do composite veneers 100% over porcelain veneers any given day. Why? Because if patients aren't happy, I can fix it. I yeah. can change it. And if ultimately, because I do so much minimal to no preparation, I've had a couple of cases where I've taken it right off and given them their teeth back. And it's one of my actually biggest fans of my practice, Evie. I, I did six composite veneers, no prep composite veneers. I talked about this in my lecture. It was December 22nd. On December 23rd, I had a text message from, message from her. She says, I don't want it. I want it off. Met her at the office, got out my disc, got out my, uh, my ET birds from Brassler, ground it off, got her back to her teeth, and she comes in every few months. She's like the most adoring patient in the practice, brings us treats, everything, brought her back to her teeth. Wow. You know, and so it gives you that chance to get out because once you put a burr on people's teeth, man, you are married to them and they own you, man. It's tough. Okay. You mentioned Frank Spear earlier. One of my favorite things he ever said, and I want you to comment on this. Higher fee, higher expectation. Speak to that. Yeah. With a question, when I, <laughs> I took Frank's first course out at his Seattle office back in maybe 95, I can't yeah. remember exactly. It took me a whole year to pay off that course, I tell you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the lab because I, I just love lab stuff. And I'm, I'm there and his lab technician, Arnie, was there. And I said, oh, Arnie, he's so lucky. Dr. Mop, uh, uh, Dr. Spears so lucky. He gets to work on these great cases. And he said, uh, you know, he's doing the same thing you are. You know, he's doing tongues and cheeks and he's dealing with all this. The difference is he's working on the kings and queens. And you think they have kings and queens expectations. And I never forgot that. And it's absolutely true. The, the better you get at this, then the more challenging the patients you're going to attract. Right. And when I say challenging, very often I mean crazy, but not always. They can just simply be challenging. Right. Now, again, you as a dentist, if you're listening to this, you got to make your... The cool thing about this profession is you can choose. Yeah. You can choose how to serve people. I want you to talk about the added benefits of composites, you know, freehand composites. It's pretty simple math. Like you don't, you mentioned this before we hit the go button on the lab side of things. We love great lab techs, yes. but there's an added benefit of not dealing with the lab. Speak to that. Yeah. And I love my labs and I'm, I'm 
blessed to work with some really very, very talented people. But number one is the cost factor. And that's something I talk to patients about. You know, if we're going to do this in porcelain, this is my fee plus the lab fee. So my fee for a porcelain veneer is the same as my fee for a composite veneer. Really? Except add the lab fee to the porcelain veneer. Okay, wait, say that again. That's really good. Say that. That's awesome. So I have a doctor fee for all my, all my lab um, cases. So I have okay. my doctor fee. My doctor fee for a porcelain veneer is the same fee as my composite fee for a porcelain veneer. I love it. And then I add on the fee for my, my ceramics, for my, whatever my lab technician is going to charge. It's going to be about four to $500 a unit. Yeah. And patients completely understand that. Oh, no, they hate it. <laughs> okay, go back to that. What do you mean they hate it? Yeah, so they get very confused about like, well, what's, what's with the lab fee? And I say, well, my lab fees can change. You know, my, my lab fees cost can go up if we're doing. Okay. And the reason I started doing this was early on in my career when I was doing implants, I got totally hosed on some implant costs because, you know, a single screw when you're doing an implant case can be 70 or 80 bucks, right? Impression copings. Now that's digital, that's less expensive because you can reuse things. That wasn't so ideal back then. But each part in an implant, you know, multi-abutment's expensive. Every part is expensive, right? And I just got my, I, I, got, I got it handed to me. And so I said, you know what, that's it. I'm separating my costs. There's going to be a lab cost and there's going to be a doctor cost. Mm-hmm. And I've done that for 32 years, I think now. Yeah. And so I have to explain to the patients. I say, look, my lab costs are variable. I'm not quite sure what the lab's going to charge me. For doing a single and central incisor, we're going to do a single tooth. They, they may, the fee may be two to three times, right? right? If, they, if they have to make that crown five times to get it to look great, there's going to be an additional cost, right? right? So that's going to be, that cost is on you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be eating my cost on how many times do I try it in, but I have to have my cost, I have to have my fee structure to support my dentistry. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. Now, it, there is some, some, some verbiage you got to work through with patients to help them understand that because when you bill to insurance, it's billed. We, in our office, we bill out our, our fee and then we felt um, we bill out the lab fee. And very often the lab fee will be rejected by the insurance company. So you have to have this conversation with the, with the patient. If you're, right. you know, we're a fee for service practice, so we have these conversations with our patients before so that they're aware. Let them know up front yep, know where up we're front. going. Yep. That's so great. All right. I want you, you're, you're intimately involved in a lot of things that are going on in the industry. Talk about where we are. Where are we on the map as of today with composites? Yeah. Well, you know, our porcelains are getting better and better. Zirconia is getting to be such a bigger player. We're looking at, you know, translucent zirconias versus some of the three wide zirconias, which are stronger, but not as aesthetic. Uh, lithium disilicate, we, we know that material. The adhesives we're using, we know those. Those are true. Uh, they're reliable. Uh, in the composite world, I think it's just really just about executing at a higher level and just getting better at it. I don't think, I'm not seeing anything that's going to be revolutionary that's going to be changing the way we're doing composites. I think essentially we're just getting better to understand how to handle the materials and how to make everything look more natural. And I think, uh, I think this is one of the great things of social media, as much as, you know, people can, you know, have the downside of social media. The good thing is we're seeing some really awesome dentistry daily, which really, I think just helps us say, look, this is possible, you know, and maybe, maybe I'm not there yet. Right. And I mean, I, I struggle looking at this stuff all the time. It's like, that is unbelievably gorgeous. How, what do I do to get better? How do I get one step better? 1% better. How do I get better every day so I can work towards getting getting my stuff to look like some of the stuff that I get to see on social media too. Yeah, it's so great. And so when you talk about 
the direction of this. I mean, foreseeably in the future, composites are going to get better. They're going to last longer. Don't you think? Yeah, I think they're, you know, the, the key is, and I tell patients this all the time, if my composites were as strong as porcelain, I would never use porcelain again. The, the reality, though, is that there's going to be advantages with the strength of porcelain. Right. The, but I think that our composite materials will get stronger, and I think that's where we have issues, just the flexural toughness of porcelain, of, of right. composites. I mean, if you use a microfill, like I use Cosminus Renamel Microfill, that's got an incredible polish, and the polish maintains, and it's a beautiful material, but it's got poor flexural strength, so you have to support it with a stronger composite. So... You know, we're working towards that and we'll have, we'll have better materials, but it's, uh, I mean, we got great materials now I and mean, we have really just awesome. We're lucky. We have incredible materials to work with. Right. And I'm going to jump to, I love this topic, Dennis, because I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. And let's kind of go to the future and solution. I'm a dentist listening. I'm 32 years old. Dennis, yeah. you don't understand. My practice is all PPO. Yeah. You know, I don't even know if I can make this work in my practice. Right. Can you speak to what would you say to a dentist who has a now? Let me add one more complexity to it. We meet dentists all over the world. Not one of them is not busy. They're right. all too busy. They yep. have too many patients, too much going on. Dennis, I'm 32 years old. I'm listening to this podcast. I got 4,000 patients. It's crazy in my office. I'm all PPO. How is this going to help me in the future? Yeah. You know, I got very lucky, uh, when all this was coming out, when I was a young dentist and this is, I mean, Sears dental was starting out. So that was sort of the first, uh, you know, DSO, if you will, when Sears dental came into the marketplace and these insurance based issues and I resisted it. I said, you know what, I'm just gonna, I want to do good dentistry and I, and I don't want someone to tell me how much I can charge for something. Right. I, and it, it just morally didn't seem right to me. It didn't make any sense. And so I, I was stubborn and I held out. For, patient, for dentists who are in busy practices, this, this is what you got to figure out is where do you want to be in 30 years? Dentistry is hard, man. I tell you, doing clinical dentistry is tough. Now, I'm better at it, but it's still hard. Right. You know, working on tooth number two, forget them. It's hard, right? Working on, you know, distal number two, distal number 15, tongue, you know, tongues in the way. Dentistry is hard. Managing patients sometimes is difficult. Managing teams, you know, this is can be challenging. So I think you have to, I would say for the young dentist is where do you want to be? What type of dentistry do you want to be doing 30 years from now? Right. When you retire, what do you want to be looking back at? Do you want to be looking at back at saying, I've been able to do some really awesome dentistry? Or do you want to say that, look, I've been able to, you know, accumulate this kind of wealth and I, you know, the, the type of dentistry I'm doing doesn't matter. Yeah. Then just grind it out and that's cool. But yeah. if the type of dentistry does matter, then I think you got to set your compass. Totally agree. Right. And you just got to go. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just got to start moving in the right direction, doing one, you know, uh, if you listen to any of the podcasts, you'll love this. So I asked Jeff Rouse a similar question. He's like, listen, we deal with people coming through Spear all the time. Their question is exactly that. How do I do this? He's like, do one comprehensive exam a month. Heck, if you can't do it in person, you know, the review, just do it on Zoom yeah. and then go to two people, then go to three people. Ultimately, your points at the compass, because I'm going to piggyback on what you said. If you're a dentist listening and you're totally in PPOs, it goes back to what you said at the beginning. People have to come to you for a reason. Yep. They got to reach into their pocket, pull out their you know, credit card and go, I trust you. I want you to do this. And you have to do something very different 
very specific that they want and it will incorporate your full fee yes. at some level. Yes. If you're in PPOs, you're already seeing this. You're working one out of every three days. Now, this, this whole podcast is not about PPOs. What we're talking about is the thriving aspect. And I want to just weave that in there. If you think about this, 30 years from now, if I'm doing a lot of composite. Yes. And, you know, that's half of my day or a third of my day. That means a third of my day or a third of my, or half of my patients are paying my full fee. Yes. Very little cost. Yes. I'm doing immediate like response to that. I can now chart the course yes. for my practice, right? Exactly. And like you're talking about, you don't have to rely on lab technicians, your, your right. lab bill, you don't have a lab bill. Your material cost is very low. Your really only expense is learning is the education on being able to do that. But right. once you, once you've invested in yourself, Beyond the fact that you're able to satisfy so many other patients, right? It's not like it's just a one for one. You're paying a lab bill and you're getting this. When you're learning, you're growing and it's going to make it, it's going to be more enjoyable. You're going to, you're going to love the experience more. You're going to draw a different type of audience into your practice as you develop these skills. It's going to be more enjoyable. Your, your team is going to enjoy it more. They're going to, they're going to be applauding the dentistry you're going to do because you're going to be changing people's lives in a way that you're not going to, if you're just going to be doing, I think, you know, sort of the bread and butter and PPO type stuff, you know, dude, I'm totally picking up what you're putting down and use the word learning. We're going to talk about this. You're one of the best teachers in the world on this. So if you're listening and you're like, I don't know where to learn, we'll talk about that in a second. But I want to ask you one question. What do most dentists get wrong about direct hand composites, mostly free hand? What you, you get to, Coach yep. a lot of them. What do they get wrong? The, the biggest, I think the two biggest mistakes uh, or failures to understand is contour is king. I don't care what composite you're using. I don't care if you're off by shade. It is contour is king. You have to learn contour. And, and unfortunately, it's the hardest part, I think. Right. I think. I think layering is difficult, but contouring is the hardest part. It's what takes me the longest when I'm doing a direct composite. Like a direct composite veneer, contouring is king. And then second, I think, is the polish and the surface surface texture, surface uh, finish. I think that's the two keys. The third is learning how to block out so that you don't get shine through with your composites. I think those are the three takeaways when I'm teaching is like, let's learn contour. Let's learn how to polish. Let's get a beautiful polish. Let's get surface texture. But three, let's block out so you're not seeing the undercolor coming through. Or if it's a class four composite, you can't see where the fracture ends and where the composite begins. I think those are the keys. The, the subtleties are what type of materials are you going to use, which composites you're going to use. Are you going to use right. fill, You're going to use hybrids? You're going to use microfills? How are you going to layer those? I think those are some subtleties, but the first three, I think, are the keys. Yeah, it goes back to the beginning when you saw Mopper's work. You're like, yeah. well, I don't know where the tooth ends. Yep. And, and that's, that's the fun part. Like, your favorite part, I'm just going to do the patient side of things. Yeah. So after I went, left Marge's, I went to my hygienist, and she's amazing. And if you're listening, I love you dearly. And she's like, wow, these are these are really good. It's very hard for me to figure out where the tooth ends. Yeah. Isn't that so gratifying as a provider? It's when we're, when we're treating patients, when we're serving patients, when we're serving patients, right? Part of it is though we have to serve ourselves also. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we, we have to make sure that we are, I think because this is a long career, I believe we have to have satisfaction in what we're doing. Right. In our service, as we serve others, I think we make sure that we are serving ourselves as well, making sure that we have, we have satisfaction, that we love 
We love what we're doing. And not every day is great. You know, some days right. you're like, oh God, that did not come out the way I was thinking it was going to come out. But yeah. you know, you go every day, you learn, you know, you get 1% better. You just keep on trying, try and get a little bit better, try and get a little bit better Yeah, and evaluate your work and just be truthful and be honest with yourself. You know, I mean, I had to redo a case yesterday. It was just a single central and the shade was off. It was just, you know, it was just a half shade too dark. And so we had to cut it back and relayer it and stuff. And so, you know, it was, it yeah. is what it is. Right. And don't fool yourself and just, just try and get a little bit better and be better and just be proud of what you're doing and, and just enjoy the service that we could do for our patients. Yeah. Go back to the word that you use satisfaction. That's a really good one. I think Ultimately, I feel like Pete Dawson is sitting with us for a second. He's like, listen, if you enjoy it, you know, and you're doing right and it all comes together, that's your greatest compensation. And then you make a ton of money. Like, don't worry about the money. And I think when you talk about thriving, ultimately, that's the 800 pound gorilla in the room. When you're doing great stuff, people are paying your full fee. You love it. They love it. Thus, the satisfaction. That's bigger than the money, don't you think? I think it's, uh, we get paid, uh, and my friend told me this, you get paid either by, you know, by cold, hard cash or you get paid by warm fuzzies. Right. And so we, when we're working, it's gotta be that, that, that combination, right? We, we gotta make a living, right? And we deserve to make a good living. We've worked hard. We've, you know, people are investing a ton in their education. We deserve to make a good living, but we also need to feel good about what we're doing. We need to go home and say, you know what, we are we are making people's lives better. We're, right. we're better. We're, we're, we're servants and we're doing great, but we are, we're getting this internal satisfaction as we're, as we're making people feel better too. Okay, cool. I have two more questions. Yep. One, um, I, well, I wanted you to talk about what you're up to as far as your educational platform, but before we do that, any last thoughts on why freehand direct composites will thrive in the digital world? Well, I think, again, I think in digital world, if everything goes well, it's awesome. But too many times, and I, whether this is with implant surgery or if you're doing composites or if you're doing, if you, you know, any, I mean, anyone who's done or they've brought their provisionals, prototype provisionals to the mouth, and all of a sudden there's a can't that they didn't anticipate. Even though they thought they did the workflow correctly, something just went wrong. We have to have the hand skills to be able to make corrections. We, we have to develop those skills. I mean, we're, this is still dentistry. We still have to have these hand skills. So as great as digital is, and I think it's improved dentistry without question, it's made it more efficient. I think there's a lot of things we can do in digital world workplace that we're not able to do so easily in analog. We still have to use our hands. So we have to spend the time. We got to educate, get educated on how to do techniques better and so that we can be, be better at what we're doing. Yeah. Not only are you a super cool human being, oh, you're an excellent dentist, you're a great educator. And one of the things we did, you're also an expert at online education. Well, like you're one of the trying. few people that's taken it and really done well with it. I want you to talk about your online education platform. What is it? If I'm listening, how do I find it? What do I do? All right. So we started dental online training. Actually, we predicted COVID. So we started this in 2017. Wait, you predicted COVID? Well, we thought maybe something might happen. So I don't think I predicted it. All right. Well, uh, so I was teaching a course and we had 15 participants. It was a hands-on workshop. And so you can relate to this, Kirk. So when you're you're doing a lecture, it doesn't really matter if people are following along or not. You know, you got... 200 people in the room, if people are on their phones. I mean, I was, I was doing a lecture once and some guy broke, he was in the front row and he opened up a newspaper and he started reading the newspaper right in front of me. Like I could have read the front page of the newspaper while he was reading the inside. Right. 
it doesn't really matter, right? You're just going to give your presentation. If people ask questions, that's even better, right? More engaging. But essentially, you're going to go from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. You're going to give your presentation. You're done. When you do a workshop, it's completely different. When you do a workshop, your job is to help people get better at what they're doing. They're there and they're paying a high fee to be able to learn how to do the technique, right? right? So I had 15 people in the class and, the, uh, and this is always the case. The three best people are sitting in the front row. They're always right in front of you, the gunners, right? Um, and then, but usually there's like a bell curve. And so the people in the middle of the audience or the people who sort of have the middle information or sort of like middle skill level, they're sort of in the middle rows. And then the people who are, you know, referred to as a laggard, such a bad name, but people who are just maybe not familiar with the materials, not familiar with the techniques are always in the back. And it's always like a bell curve. You know, a few people are really accelerated, the medium bell curve, and then there's a few people who are, you know, behind. And so you can teach a course in that middle of the bell curve and you can help the people who are accelerated, you know, give them some extra stuff to do as they're moving along. And you can help the people who are behind or new to the concepts and help them move up. Right. I had this class where we had three really accelerated people. They could have been teaching the class. And I had 12 people who like never opened a syringe of composite in their life. And I couldn't teach the, clo- the class slow enough for 12 people. And the three people in the front were completely bored. And everyone lost, right? I couldn't teach to the median because there was no median there. And I left that and I met a buddy of mine who's an IT guy and I said, it was awful. I said, it's not that these people are dumb, it's that they're just inexperienced. And if I was in their office and if I could show them, if we could slow it down and do it step by step, I know they could learn this. Right. And he said, all right, let's do it. And so that's how we started out the dental on training. We decided let's do workshops from the comfort of people's own prep home. Where they didn't have to pay thousands of dollars to travel somewhere and get blown away from, you know, from early information. So we decided to build kits. We initially had pre-recorded classes so people could just watch one segment at a time. If you want to learn how to do class four composite, you would learn, okay, this is how you bevel the tooth. Okay, now it's your turn. You go bevel the same tooth that I just worked on. You have the same burr that I just used. Do what I did. I'll meet you at the next section. And then you go to the next part and we go step by step by step how to build up the, the hybrid layer, the, the, the dentin layer, and then how to opaque. And we do it step by step and you have all the materials in the kits. So if you want to opaque, if you want to tint, all that, you just do it with me step by step at your pace. Love it. And the nice thing is that it's, you know, when you think about spending three, four, seven thousand dollars for a, for a workshop, you got to shut down your practice. You got to leave home, you gotta pay for, you know, flight, you got your hotel. The true expense is, is significant. Right. If you can do, you know, with our DOT courses, some of our kits are as low as $200. You can do it at your time. You can do it in your lunch hour. You can do it in the evening. You can do it if you have a cancellation and you can do it step by step. While you, while you have the time, you can, you can replay it. You can go back and watch what you didn't understand. So, um, so our goal is to help dentists get better. We want them to get better at their dentistry. And then when they're ready, then they can go do the live in-person courses. Then they can spend the big dollars. You know, go to Cosmonet, go to Spear, go to Kois, so, you know, go, go wherever you're going to go, but have a great foundation so yeah. you get more out of it. And that's, uh, so that's what we're doing. So we have over 20 on-demand courses, and now we're doing live virtual courses. We have five live courses that are one or two day courses um, where we send kits and then we do that in person or we do it virtually, but we do it all together. And uh, it's been just phenomenal. We've had uh, just 
great, great response. And it's been such a great community that we've built and we get to all get together. We also have a study club that we meet once a month. We do, uh, we should have you on for our, uh, we do a, uh, we call it a wine and unwind on Thursday nights. Oh, cool. And we just, uh, you know, we'll bring someone in. We'll just sort of, sort of shoot the shit if you will. And we'll just talk about, you know, try, try and talk smart and, uh, try and help people in their, in their dental lives and stuff like that. So love it. Love it. So yeah. if I'm listening, how do I, how do I learn more? Where do I start? Yeah. So go to dothandson.com. Okay. dot com. We also have a, a share or a podcast. We call it a sharecast because it's about sharing. And so we interview. And so hopefully Kirk will come on to my, my podcast. And we talk about, instead of talking about the fundamentals of dentistry, we talk about how people got to where they are. Right. So just learning like, how did Greg Kinzer, where did he come from? What was he like growing up and what was his influences? Um, you know, people like that, Jeff Rouse and Jim McKee and all sorts of people that just where they come from. And so I think people can relate to that, Yeah. you know, especially, you know, young dentists. And for me, I'll tell you a story. So <laughs> I used to go to the restorative academy or I go to the restorative academy. I remember now, but in the beginning, it used to be at the Drake hotel in Chicago and they have a bar down in the basement called Le Coq d'Or, the golden rooster. My buddy John and I, we would go to the bar and we'd sit in the corner and we'd sit there and we'd drink our beer. He'd drink a Manhattan, I'd drink a beer. And, uh, we just see these people, these dignitaries of dentistry. Yeah. We just didn't believe that they had anything to do with us other than the fact that they were human, but you know, they, they weren't like us. Mm-hmm. And I think what's nice when you, when you, when we get to talk to dentists is you find out they are exactly like us. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the same challenges in dental school. They had the same challenges when they were starting their practice, right? They had the same issues with patients that we're having. And I think it's just kind of nice to, for, for all of us to hear, you know what? They're not so different. Right. You know? And we're all going through this. We're all, we're all dealing with tongues and cheeks and, you know, and, you know, above the nose issues, you know, the, the cranial portion, the, the brain portion, and just sort of, you know, how they got to where they got to. So that's what we talk about. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Kind of so I'm going to put links into uh, the podcast notes. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're not taking notes, don't worry, we're taking notes for you. You can flip up to the notes in Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you consume podcasts, and there'll be links to everything that Dennis has shared with you. Uh, and I want you guys to check it out. Thanks for being on today, buddy. Yeah. And I hear you're going to be doing something new with, uh, can I say? I don't even know what you're going to say. I'm worried. I, I think you have a new podcast coming out. Do you not? Do you have a, do you have a collaboration podcast? We've got a couple in the works, but um, none of them have officially launched. Right. How did you know about this one? Oh, the, uh, I know what you're talking about. I was talking to a certain Spaniard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have actually started that, but we haven't um, posted them. And you're talking about with Christian Coachman. So, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. have something very cool coming out. Well, and I'll just speak to this. Like my, one of my favorite things, if not my favorite thing, is exactly what you shared. It's the story. I love hearing people's story, where they came from, how this all came together. And in that, you can see where they failed. And the humility is incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's my favorite part is when people share too much. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. like, oh my gosh, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Um, it makes you feel more human. Yes. And um, I love it. So yes, we are launching that. Uh, we're actually going to shoot our next episode. We've had a couple uh, next Tuesday. And awesome. I, I'm going to get you on that one too. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. So two great guys. Yeah. They're thanks for riding guys. your bike down here. Oh, that was awesome. It's a beautiful day in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, Midwest, we're finally getting to some summer and this is, uh, this is great. You're inspiring the heck out of me. I should be riding my 
bike to work. Heck yeah. I ride my bike to work, but it's 75 miles and it would take me, well, <laughs> it would take me too long to get to work and back. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Well, thanks for being here, brother. Hey, I appreciate it, man. It was great. Yeah. Well, stick around. We say goodbye to everybody else, but thank you guys for listening to the best practices show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, just do us a favor, hit the share button, keep sharing this with your friends. I love all the suggestions you guys send uh, for content. I'm going to have Dennis back again and again and again. We're going to make you ride down a lot. Love it. And uh, let's, let's keep it out of the winter month. Though I will ride if it's not too snowy, but so. Deal. Yeah. Deal, deal, deal. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed today. Check out Dennis's links in the show notes. And until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.